Blog Talk Radio. Oh my goodness. Here it is. It's Blog Talk Radio and it's Monday. And this is Dr. Deb Carlin here again with Mr. Brian Lunt. Good morning, Mr. Brian. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good morning. You are wonderful. Thank you. So good to see you here this morning on Blog Talk Radio where we kind of du- duplicate it up a little bit double it up a little bit and we are the k factor where k equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it and i'll tell you what is the influencers in talking about the st louis business club today we have got a bucket a basket a stockpile of kindness for you because here's the conversation are you really an entrepreneur are you really a small business owner okay so Let's say the answer to that is yes, because Brian and I say both for both of us that it is a yes. So what do you do to reach your success? What's your ultimate strategy? Today's conversation is about the ultimate strategy. How do you get from a thought into, ta-da, we know that flying solo really doesn't to build your team to build your structure, to have a community that is there to support you and guide you and help you. Is it going to cost you a fortune to build this team? Where do they come from? And what do you know about team building? (laughs) So, Brian, you know, when I think about you, you have an awful lot to feel and express about this and then to say about it based on what you thought. And then, you know, you and I roll it all together, and I think we've got the ultimate strategy and plan for people. And I think that it happens at the St. Louis Business Club. You're right. Yes, with your vision. It does. It does. So people don't really, they've got this huge weight lifted off their shoulders because for not a fortune, but for a sensible investment, they can come to you, they can contact you at Brian Lunt, Google you, and they can find you all over the place. They can Google the St. Louis Business Club and find you right there and call you, get you on the phone and say whatever they need, and you're going to have a conversation with them, and you're going to describe to them what? What are you going to describe to them? What I'll say I've done over the last number of years is I've thrown myself into the St. Louis marketplace in order to learn and listen and understand as best I can what resources are available. Okay. And so I have been the guinea pig <clears throat> finding out what it is that people need mm. and I help others navigate that and accelerate that process. And what do so they I need? Kind of, they need all the resources that surround them so, so they can do what they do best. Delegate, do what you do best and delegate the rest. That's really the the overarching theme of what it is that I provide is how can we jump into a Zoom room or a phone call uh, or a conversation very quickly to identify what it is that somebody does well, what they can make a lot of money doing in their business world, and then what resources we can surround them with in order to make them better at what they do. So when people come into the St. Louis Business Club, do they all have access to the basics that you need in in a business like a lawyer, an accountant? a bookkeeper, a massage therapist. (laughs) They do, yeah. I mean, I often talk about the six areas of life, six areas of business. You know, the business side uh, really covers all those components, the foundational components of 
legal accounting, HR, uh, business systems and documentation, all the way into the marketing realm of branding, lead generation, and sales. And so I've gone out and I've found resources in each one of those areas. Yeah. And we, we utilize our community. We utilize our uh, network in order to connect people to the right resource at the right time, whether it's the um, the person or the or the skill you need at that time or the right budget, the right, uh, you know, the right fit is really what it comes down to. And on the life side, you know, we're a business club, so we emphasize business, but your business does not operate at maximum efficiency unless your life is in line and balance. And so we often talk about wellness in all these areas. I know this is, this is one of your sweet spots in terms of wellness, holistic wellness uh, with a W. Authentic holistic well-being. Just go aw. And, uh, and identifying the fact that we need mental, emotional, spiritual health. We need, we need wealth yeah. in those arenas. We need to uh, be physically fit. Uh, we need to look at our relationships and the environments and cultures that we spend our time in and, and how that all impacts our personal financial situation <clears throat> and all of those different components and how they overlap. And so I have become a student in all of those areas. I will, I will be a lifelong student in all those areas. Yeah. And uh, in many in many uh, ways, I'm a coordinator, a quarterback of those areas, and so uh, I do my best to make sure that the people get connected correctly, and uh, we can accelerate their um, questions being answered. So really, be not afraid. I think is one of the phrases that people should use <clears throat> when when they're thinking about walking into just getting started as a startup, or even if they're on the road and they've been on the road for a long time, <clears throat> sometimes people really feel funny. It's like, you know, I've been in business for a long time, but I'm not quite making it. And you could really listen to them and hear what it is that they need because of your, your studentship and your now tutelage of others. Yeah, I think I think one of the best things we can do is come together as a community, as come together as humans and talk about <clears throat> the different trials and tribulations that we go through. Even the most successful, and in many cases, the most successful entrepreneurs have had their episodes of, of turmoil. And, and if you're, if you've been in business for any number of time, number of years, um, you can point to the, to the tough times. And when you're riding high, it feels good to help people when they're riding low. There's mm -hmm. a good balance there. And so offering that community element of people that can support you when you're going through tough times and then others that you can support when you've got a little bit of breathing room. That's the whole essence of, of what we pull together. And so relying on a community of resources as opposed to thinking, I've got to do all of this stuff my, on, on my own, uh, it just showcases that you're not alone in the, in the fight. And, uh, I find it to be a lot more fun to be able to rely on others and and offload some of the stress to others, you know, talk it through. Nine times out of ten, what I have seen is that people get really wrapped up in their heads and they think things are really, really bad. And when you talk it out and you get somebody that can sympathize or empathize with the situation you're in, you go, oh. Well, I didn't see it that way, or, oh, this is how you navigated that? Hey, that's, that works for me, I think. So it's just an easier way to go through it. And you don't just sympathize and empathize. You also say, I got a business system for you, because that's one of the things that you're really hooked on. It is. I, I You know, I've, again, 
being a student, I had the benefit of working in community banking for, you know, 13 years. And so I got to look at the behind the scenes uh, metrics and financials of a variety of different businesses. So mm -hmm. I saw them at the core of how they function. And then going to banking school and getting my MBA and, and getting educated in all the other different systems that, that exist, I've had the benefit of seeing a lot of different ways that things can be done. I often talk about self-education being the mastery of education. If you are, if you are interested in learning, the public library is the greatest tool in the toolkit because you can learn anything you want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a constant. I have a, I'm just an insatiable appetite in terms of learning about how business systems and life systems work. And I want to try and find the most efficient use of one of those systems for folks that come into my, into my um, community. And so. We either suggest things, we strategize things, we put them in something that can be uh, actionable very quick, uh, or we give them a resource that has that system already well-defined, and you can collaborate or hire somebody, um, you know, that can provide that service for, for folks. And so that's really where the, the combination of people coming together can accelerate the growth of both sides, and it's doing it strategically and really in a business sense, knowing that the revenue is going to ultimately pay for everything that is being done uh, that makes it all work. What do you mean ultimately? Well, there's different stages of, of business operations. You know, there's, there's lots of folks that need uh, the initial investment to get going. And, and I think that's important depending on what kind of business it is. But if it's not looked out long term and says, how are people getting paid? What is the return on the investment that we're putting in there? Mm -hmm. Then it's not a business, it's a <clears throat> charity. So are you saying that you invest in businesses? I do. How does that work? So I, I tell this to everybody. I have different buckets. I have buckets that come from uh, dollars I want to invest, uh -huh. things that I want to get paid for, mm -hmm. uh, things that I might want to invest my time into uh, mm -hmm. and receive. Um, so it depends on what somebody is looking for. If they're looking for expertise, I might put my, uh, my hat in the ring for a consulting gig. I might be able to allow myself to get paid either for my time or in some kind of revenue share or equity share. Mm -hmm. And then there are opportunities that I see where investing capital dollars makes sense because there's going to be a good return or an upside uh, at some point in those capital dollars. And so it's all dependent on what folks are looking for and what the potential of that project can be. And do you have any particular areas that you look at, any particular industry, any particular anything where you really thinking, yeah, I really like this. I would invest in this in a heartbeat. My sweet spot, what I love to look at, are very boring businesses. I think there's a major shift coming in our economy where the baby boomers are looking to retire or they're looking to exit in some way. Yeah. There are some businesses that will be shut down just because the, the primary uh, driver of that business is going to retire or exit. Um, and it might be a good business with a, with a number of customers already in place, no, number of operations or systems that have already been developed. That, I think, is a very efficient use of time or dollars to acquire things like that and then keep the boring business going along and utilizing the revenue of that business uh, to move forward. Where I have a lot of pause is when it's something that I just don't understand. Um, more recently, I've been looking into cryptocurrencies, software companies, mm -hmm. um, 
more complex operations. When it comes to things like that, that's where we have to rely on the community and groups of investors and other mentors to get good advice because it is not my skill set. It's big. I'm a simple man. I like community-based, community <laughs> banking types of structures. You know, find me a dry cleaners and I can handle the uh, operations on that. But, you know, big time software and, uh, you know, larger businesses are yeah. outside of my, um, you know, comfort zone. So what do you mean when you say the boring businesses? I immediately, this is horrible. I immediately thought an accounting firm, a bookkeeping yeah. firm, a lawyer's office. Yeah, those are great businesses. You know, if there's, if there's a business, any business for me that I can understand the back end fundamentals of that business, I know the people that are involved. I know the revenue structure. I know how they operate on a day-to-day basis. Just from a, a, a general business understanding, I can walk in and say, Yes, I know how you guys make money. I know this can continue making money. And if I invested X number of dollars, this is the return that I can look at over a certain number of years or a period of time. So that to me is a very easy uh, formula. It's, and then you can look at improving operations by adding community members and resources and other people that can do things more efficiently. It's to me, the same way that the very, very large investment bankers look at these conglomerates, mm. that they understand the different components that make, if they spread them apart or if they complement them in different ways, mm. at a very granular, small business level. That's mm. what I like to do because it's what I understand. I think that I think the skill sets are similar, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I would be scared of the big uh, conglomerates types of things at this stage in my career. So let me ask you something. I just had a vision about something that's different than the vision that I've had previously about um, the St. Louis Business Club. And that is that I keep thinking about people who are getting started or people who are in the middle and, and they want to go, go, go. But actually, the St. Louis Business Club would be a fabulous place for people who are towards the end of their careers and thinking, I would like to transition out of this because a number of things could happen. They might find buyers in there. They might find people who want to join it. You know, like if it, let's say it's an accounting bookkeeping firm. And if they call you and, and I can, I can just envision this. So tell me if I'm correct or if I'm off, off the mark here, but they could call you and say, you know, I'd really kind of like to get out of this. And, and, you know, we're making X number of dollars a year and I don't know exactly, I don't, I don't really want to sell it, but I kind of want to just walk away from it. But I'd like for other people to take it on. My kids are really not so interested. So I'm not sure how to find the people who would step into my shoes. You might be that person who could help them do that. And it might turn into a kind of a partnership where you and that person have a consultancy bringing people in and you're getting a part of the revenues as the consultant to have that happen. I haven't heard anybody else doing that work. The, the closest thing I've seen is there's some business brokerages that do. Yeah, but my God. Types of things, but they're, they're more so in the brokerage side of things. Than yeah, the really. Side, they're opinion. really cut and dry. Yeah, not involved. Yeah, and so I see a lot of opportunity because I think there's going to be a lot of demand for the transitionary period, and with the right kind of guidance and resources, there's going to be there's going to be plenty of people, you know, calling. What I often see or I have seen uh, recently 
I just came back from a trip to Arizona where I went to a, a planned community that had 9,000 homes into it. And you've got folks that are in anywhere from like their 50s to their 70s that are enjoying this, this community that has golf and they've got all these amenities and they've got all this wonderful thing, but they're there almost part-time as they're kind of unwinding their business lives and, and kind of making their way into retirement. The amount of, of intellectual capital that is in a community like that is off the charts. Yeah. And what's really interesting to me is looking at the older generation and this transitionary period of not only their business, but their business knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if there's a hybrid opportunity of saying, we've got a business club in the middle of this community and they come together um, collaboratively with their information and their guidance, and they can help steward those businesses onto the next generation. It's that, it's that component that I think we need in order to make sure there's a seamless transition and, and people are coming together and, and helping one another from a, from a true community sense. The other thing that I've often loved to hear is a friend of mine in the financial planning arena used to work with a lot of potential retirees. They were all on the cusp of selling their businesses or are going into retirement. And it's kind of this ripping the band-aid process where you go from working nine to five to now all of a sudden I'm retired and maybe for a year or two you keep busy with projects that you've been mounting and thinking about. But after that, it's kind of an average of about a two-year period. They go, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and what my, what my friend used to do is he'd go to these retirees and he'd say, if you could get rid of all the stuff you dislike doing and maintain the things that you really enjoy, would you still retire? And the vast majority of them have said, no, I really like my job. I like my career. I would love to get rid of the tedious stuff. Yeah, right. And so he has them write down what it is that they dislike doing. And that's the first person they should hire as they go through this transition year period. So if as a community, as a business club, we can challenge people to start notating all the things they dislike doing mm. and we can offload those things to our community you've got happier people you've got more productive people you've got this opportunity of spreading it around yeah. so that you do what you do best and you delegate the rest you know i really like this because you would have i like the i remember when i was in graduate school we had a thing called vertical teams and and i wondered what like I didn't think we were going to be laying down in here. What, what's a vertical team? And it was a seven-year program. And so we had students at, at, at all different levels of that seven-year stretch. And this was before Zoom or any of that, any of that. I don't, need, I don't think even Skype was around. And, and so we would find ways to have communication once a week. The whole the whole department was in a vertical team in in small groups, so we were all with our major professor in a vertical team, and it was great because we had people just coming in who wanted to know what's it like in year three, and oh my gosh, you actually got to year seven. <laughs> what's that like? And yeah. it's you know it's spectacular because it gives you a beautiful sense of things and. One of the things that I think would be so refreshing for people who think about retirement is they are often feeling, and I didn't have this awareness until a retirement community in Arizona became a client of mine, 55 plus, 
And I mean, there were people out there and I, and I would say to them, you know what, you, you really, you need to have a sense of purpose because you're driving the management company out there crazy. You guys all retired and you moved across the country from one direction or another to be here. You're mad at your kids because they don't come visit. You miss your grandchildren. You have nothing to do but golf, swim, play cards, and eat nuts and, you know, have drinks with your beloveds. And then you all freak out when the ambulances arrive. Yeah. So they were looking, I mean, water water floats, right? It runs to wherever it needs to fill in. So these people were like literally telling management what to do, telling the community leaders in the town what to do, you know, telling the fire department and the police chief what to do. So if they had a place to live, like the St. Louis Business Club, and St. Louis can be the St. Louis Business Club is a show me state model, could be anywhere. And when people say, why, why are we the St. Louis Business Club in Arizona? Because we're show me, you know, so we're showing you and you're showing us. So then they have a sense of purpose all over again. And what a phenomenal lesson for people anywhere in that vertical structure, that vertical team, so to speak. To see, oh, my God, this could be me or, yay, this could be me in decades from now. We don't have that because, you know, everybody's living in their own generation. We don't have families living together, multiple generations, right? Yep. So I think that that would be absolutely fabulous. It it comes down to, for me, is that you've got this business and life overlap, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens when you retire is that you take away the business side yeah and all of you have is life but that means you're out of balance yes you have all the the financial freedom potentially to to dedicate to the life side but you've taken away this uh, responsibility and the prestige and all the things that come along with building a business and maintaining a career and when that gets gets taken away that's why you have people going into politics, getting onto their subdivision committees, going into the plant committee, all these different things that start to come on almost the life side, but they're structured like a business Mm -hmm. because there's voluntary positions. There's all these different things. And, and that's what I see happening. I know a lot of people who like to play golf, but I don't know how you can play golf every day and, and 18 holes a day. Well, maybe it's good exercise and maybe you can turn into a business. Maybe you're out there gambling and, uh, you know, doing some fun things. But I don't think so. There are some business structures and I think business opportunities that a lot of, um, you know, that 50 to 70 range could get into and, and have a lot of fun and make some more money. I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's almost this um, – you know, impression that older folks that are retired should be mentors and not make any money. They should just be there to, and, and, and I've seen a lot of the kind of accelerator models and the startup models that help these, you know, earlier stage companies rely on mentors that have no compensation structure. And so you've got people that are treating it more like a voluntary position and just kind of, you know, have half into it uh, as opposed to going into it as a professional and as a consultant. I like that. So at your business club, actually, your model would be or could be 
you have these seniors who come in and 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 they are introduced, but they're another line of service that other members need to purchase. So like for instance, when your members come in, it's not that they get anything for free. It's just that they've got a vetted resource that's there for them to engage. Exactly. I mean, my goal as um, as the, the head quarterback is to try and make sure that we've got good players, you know, and that's, and that's the reason I called it a club um, is because I wanted there to be some exclusivity. There has to be some filtering process. Absolutely. Um, there has to be a way to, um, to put a group of people together that not everybody can, can come and be a part of. There are some amazing organizations that exist in the marketplace that are great for networking. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chambers of Commerce are fantastic for getting your local uh, business groups together. And it's a very welcoming and open place that most people can join. If everybody can join the business club, then there's no, there's no barometer that we're gauging. Against right. People right. And there's, no, there's no brand that says, okay, uh, if anybody can join, then, you know, it might not be the caliber of people that I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, well, why call it a club? Right. right. No, I, I, you know, membership means that you have a sense of belonging and that there's a different intimacy there. It's a limited group. Like you don't want to have a thousand people in there. You want to have a reasonable number of people at each location. Yes. Yeah, I like that model. Yeah, we've gotten into this um, weird sort of defended position where we have to say, well, you know, it's exclusive. But yeah, because there's boundaries, there's there's criteria to be a member. You have to, you know, you have to be smart. You have to be engaged in your business. You got to have a business. You got to have some talent. And you make those decisions as the creator, the founder of it. Yeah, and it it has been. It is a challenge because I often say that you have organizations at the more startup and and lower tier level that have a, you know, a lower barrier to entry because it's cheaper to get in. There's more access to get in. And then you have the higher tier kind of peer-to-peer advisory, CEO level, leadership level type of organizations. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times there are, there are revenue metrics. There are, um, you know, it costs a lot to be a part of it. I've often said I would love to exist in the middle. And unfortunately, is the most challenging uh, market to, to satisfy because most of the people in the middle are in growth mode. Mm-hmm. So their time as a currency is very, very difficult to spend because they're spending all of their time wearing multiple hats. And the whole idea is that if we can help you distribute some of those hats yes. more, efficient, more efficient with the utilization of your time, well, then your money will catch up and the amount of money that you need to spend on these additional resources will kind of push you towards that upper tier level and things will work better for you. And so it's been a difficulty on how to price it, on how to structure it, because you've got a lot of uh, frenetic energy and chaos going on with that middle tier group. The younger, the younger in terms of business is very hungry. They're looking for sales and marketing. That's usually where the, you know, the BNIs and the and the chambers are focused. At the at the later stages, you're much more focused, and you have you have achieved kind of time mastery and you can give back a little bit. You can fine tune and, and work on your business instead of in the business all the time. And so that middle tier where people are working in the business almost nonstop 
those are the folks that I really think need it the most. Um, but it has been it has been a difficult recipe attracting kind of the upper and lower tier of that large group. And, and 60 to 70 percent of businesses are in that in that. Group. So two things they don't know about you. Mm-hmm. And two, um, they don't know exactly what the details are about what's it going to cost, what does it involve, what do I get out of it. And it yeah. seems to me like if you had, um, and you probably do, you've got pricing structures, not just for the membership, but for all the a la carte items. Like right. you you need the HR stuff, here's what they're charging. And it, and it's it's based on what their schedule is. And, and and I would imagine that there's a certain percentage that goes to the house, the club. Yeah, we're in the, we're in the process of building out a, an online portal that's St. Louis-based for now um, that allows for all of that bookkeeping and functionality to flow through. And so the idea is that most people will have an ongoing monthly membership and uh-huh. whatever tier makes the most sense for them. And then any business that is uh, developed through the club or through the portal has a, a percentage base on it. Uh, so the revenue that is generated as a part of being a part of the club um, is a win-win. Yeah, that seems really fair to me because if you if you can't figure it out on your own and you move in someplace and you're getting it figured out and you can see the revenues coming, you know, they're happening, why not share it? Yep. Yeah, I love that model. So in terms of what we do here, our job is not to be an infomercial to to sell, but our job is to really help the community understand that if you're if you're out there and you're struggling, you know, like if you're in a in a shared workspace, that's a very different model than what we're talking about. Because you there might by luck run into somebody who's got the skills that you need, the business that you need. But if they come into the St. Louis Business Club, it's very intentional. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I'm working on right now is I have a shared workspace uh, that I highlight as a part of our group, our our hyper-local group, but there are other shared workspaces in the St. Louis region, uh, and I'm friends with the owners or the people who run those spaces, and my goal has always been to be very proactive in community building and how we connect resources. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've offered to do is go into those uh, shared spaces and offer my facilitation of relationships and masterminds as a way to help them get their members at their spaces uh, connected. And so, because I've heard that as something that's lacking in a number of the shared workspaces, because what I've always said is I don't want to be in a culture, I don't want to be in an environment where you feel like you cannot at least say hello or nod to the person that you're walking past or have a warm and friendly reception with the people that you surround yourself with. If you're walking in a, in a work environment and you feel head down, not, nothing warm about the people that you're surrounding yourself with and you're just there to work, yes, that environment might be conducive to some uh, focuses of work, but to me, I think you get a lot more done by spreading out the community and, and having a lot of good, good, healthy relationships. And so if we can, um, if we can utilize our folks to come in and add some energy into a space or even a corporation, that's something that we want to highlight because it is a skill. It is something that a lot of larger institutions could utilize. Um, And we have a number of people in the St. Louis area that provide that type of um, service. 
service. So I'm not quite sure I follow. So you you started off talking about the St. Louis Business Club is not just a, a workspace, a shared workspace, although people can come in and, and get space there. But then you were talking about being friends with people who are in the community who have got shared workspaces, but they don't have the line of services that you offer. And so you want to go there and introduce them to your line of services at the St. Louis Business Club and have it be sort of a, a, a traveling model? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed. In the same way that I can set up a St. Louis Business Club in Arizona, I'd like to have multiple St. Louis Business Clubs in St. Louis. It's a, it's a, it's a platform, it's a structure that we can share with other spaces in order to make their spaces and I their see. companies more efficient. I see. So, like... Um, I think there's a place called The Hive or something, you know. The Hive would actually have St. Business Club in, in embedded into it to bring more value to it. And okay. so then there'd be a revenue share between you and that owner. Yeah, we would just be providing more uh, benefit to their uh, clients. And they customers. they would be invited into the main headquarters St. Louis Business Club on um, virtual events in particular. Yeah, yeah, and I've, that's another one of these dances that I've been in for the last year because of the, the COVID environment is that I am much more geared toward in-person interactions. Obviously, we've all gotten familiar with uh, virtual and online platforms, <laughs> and it's gotten uh, interesting. You know, we can still have the intimacy that we need, even though we're in different cities. Mm-hmm. Um but I still prefer in-person. So we've worked with a lot of in-person and virtual hybrids. My goal though, is to have different areas in St. Louis that I can go into physically and make sure that those relationships and that connectivity is, um, is being facilitated because there are many services that we can provide virtually, but yeah, I think the majority of resources are available in the marketplace and how to become more well. A lot of that can be delivered through telemedicine and through online portals. But when you're going to a chiropractor and you need to get adjusted or you're going to a gym and you need to work out, those are all physically on location. Mm-hmm. So this hybrid model of making sure that the, that the process is facilitated and everybody knows what everybody does. Um, there's a, there's a little bit of, um, uh, coordination that needs to go with all that. Right. So I'm envisioning for members at other locations, even at your location, they know that every Wednesday there's a meeting. Right. And then they know that, you know, whatever the schedule is. So you would maybe be at a place, you know, out. I don't know why I keep using the hive, probably because I like bees and I like honey. But the the hive would be Monday morning. You know, right. and then location-wise, if there's another location that's near there, maybe it would be Monday afternoon, but you wouldn't want to be a full day away from the St. Louis Business Club headquarters. So it'd be like maybe mornings or midday or something that – so everybody knew at these other locations, St. Louis Business Club, dude, is going to be here. This Right? right? Yeah. yeah, so you yeah. need like a super schedule. Yeah, and it doesn't have to just be me, although I, I like to do that role uh, and enjoy facilitating relationships and yeah. people. Um, 
I would I would enjoy going around to the different locations and making sure that the um, different communities are connecting and that that facilitation is going on. There's multiple people in the marketplace that do similar things. My goal would be to get those facilitators together and say how can we how can we coordinate what it is that we're doing and how can we help everybody succeed. It really is that difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. If you are are genuinely out in the marketplace to help as many people as you can, you know that in a lot of situations, you are not the answer for somebody, but you might be able to find the answer for somebody. And so if I can go in and facilitate and help, and that is good for the group and good for the space, I'm happy to do that. But in times that you don't have the time to do it, or you want to do, you know, whatever fact factor keeps you away from being the one to do it, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we have those resources available so that, uh, as a part of a larger network, as a part of a city, that's why it's a St. Louis Business Club. That mm. as a city, we're all working together to make each other uh, work better. So, one of the things that occurs to me, and you kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. How do you how do you defeat the competitiveness that people experience? Like, well, if I let you in here, there goes my revenues. What if they leave me to come to you full time? Well, part of the deal is that we won't let them do that. You know, what we say is, look, we have an agreement. If you stay there and you get the membership for this additional amount of money and, and, you know, we're not into this for competition. We're into it for collaboration. And so we, we're not trying to break up any communities. Is that a tough sell? It depends. I think that's part of the filtering process that some people have a scarcity mindset and some people have an abundance mindset. Yeah. And, and it is a, it is a constant challenge because when you are a startup or when you are not in an abundance business where things are going well, that scarcity mindset kicks in to where you're, you're zero sum. Mm. If, if this person is getting more than me, then that means I'm not getting as much as opposed to coming at it and saying, let's go, build something together where we both get more than zero uh, instead of saying, okay, there's a hundred dollars and I get 60 and you get 40, but well, we both got more than we had before. Yeah. So why are we fighting over a pie? Let's create more pie. There is a sense that I have. Uh, and I think, you know, it's not unique to me, but I think it's a very good skill to adopt is I let people reveal themselves. I will have, relationships that um, that materialize and are ongoing and you can tell very quickly whether that person is working with you or against you and if you are working together towards building something and revenues are created for both of you that's a pretty good indicator that things are going well if the other person is always steering clients back to themselves and they don't have conversations with you or you feel a little bit in the dark of what's going on, mm-hmm. that's probably not someone who has an abundance mindset. The antidote to a lot of these things is talking about it, getting in groups of people and saying, what is it that you're providing for your client? And is that the best use of your time and their dollars? Mm-hmm. And if you're open to learning, if you're open to finding the best solutions for your clients, that's a very positive situation. If you are insecure and scarcity mindset, you are not going to be open to that. You're going to try and, you know, fight for every single dollar that you can yeah. get. And, um, and that's not the energy that I'm wanting to put out into the marketplace. I want folks that, 
that feel like they're good at what they do, mm -hmm. that they should get paid for what they do, um, and that coming together makes them better at what they do. Yeah, I love that. I do think that, you know, especially now, people are after 2020 and then 2021 being a lot the same where, you know, the financial realities for a lot of people are, are depressed. And so they're depressed and they're feeling that scarcity. But I also think that we have an enormous opportunity. You know, I like to put that silver lining on everything, right? Of course. <laughs> so I think it's also an opportunity to say, look, we're all in this together. You know, yeah. some of us have gotten really abundant and some of us are really stuck, but guess what we have an abundance of need. Yes. <laughs> so let's spread the need and share the, the, share the whole fulfillment of need mm -hmm. and make deals around how it is that we do this. And even you have like a, a one page template that says, here's our credo, you know, here's, here's the five things we bring to you and your club and here's the price. And here's your price point. You know, a lot of people, their price points are way off. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking about a couple of places where, where I had enrolled, and then I realized, oh, my gosh, this is like really zero money but zero benefit, or this is really high money, still zero benefit. And then so you move through it. So um, I think it's a great idea, and I love the vertical structure of it. I think that you're really onto something there, Brian. Yeah, there's two two things that I that I have challenged been challenged with in that uh, conversation. It, on the pricing perspective, I had priced low yeah. in order to meet the market yeah. and, and 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 just basic supply and demand uh, economics to say I will price it low in order for the the right people to come in and not have a price as a um, barrier you know, a barrier. Yeah. What has been interesting is that also um, communicates to the marketplace that that's what the value is. And so even though we're providing probably zeros on top of what it is that people pay, right. um, they think, well, it can't be, it can't be that cheap or else it's not, not very good. Right. So that's, that's been a big um, challenge. Um, and, um, and I had another point to make and it completely just jumped out of my head, but um, you know, it's, you've got, and oh, and the other, and the other point is that you've got this first mover uh, situation where I have pulled lots of people together and I can get them individual um, projects and gigs and things going on. But to get an entire group to come on a consistent basis in the beginning is difficult at times because they go, well, this thing doesn't exist as fully in a, and, and, you know, across the country as it could eventually. Um, how do you attract those folks that are in that uh, scarcity time metric that say, I don't have time to dedicate so it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, uh, but still lots of fun. Well, we have filled up the time once again. I love it. So this is Dr. Deb Carlin recommending you to Google Brian Lunt in St. Louis and also Google the St. Louis Business Club because there's some really good things going on over there, and you don't need to be alone. You don't know how to. You don't have to know how to build a team or a community ready and waiting for you. So until next time, peace out.